Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a cookbook author and longtime journalist. And I have news. It only took about 5,000 of you asking for this, but I have finally launched my Green Smoothie Society. I thought about doing an ebook for all of my smoothies, but I wanted to be able to update it constantly so that you could always get new and exciting flavors and functions and would never be bored. Green Smoothie Society has every single smoothie recipe that I've ever created in an easily searchable form. You can look by ingredient like cacao or raspberries, whatever you're craving or have on hand. And I will be regularly updating it with tons of new options. You can also submit your smoothie requests and questions. It's basically your one-stop shop to become a full-on smoothie queen like me. You know I'm obsessed with my smoothies, but it's because they're life-changing. They take five minutes to make. They require almost no cleanup, especially if you just leave your blender out for your husband to clean whenever he notices it. And by 9 a.m., you will have had more vegetables than most people eat in an entire day. You feel superior. You feel so good. And they taste good, too. So. Huge, huge fan. I am so excited by how many of you I've already gotten on the smoothie train, and I am so excited to get even more of you on it with Green Smoothie Society. Also, I've launched a weekly morning show podcast called A Very Moody Morning. I was very pleased with that when I came up with that. So (laughs) A Very Moody Morning. If you love the Sunday Q&As that I do on Instagram or you wish that this pod that you're listening to right now also had shorter, way chattier, more intimate and vulnerable episodes, you will love these. I will answer questions, tell stories, invite on some very special people in my life as guests. It's like the type of podcast that I love to put on when I'm making my smoothies or doing my makeup in the morning. It just feels like I'm like hanging out with a good friend and having a really juicy conversation. You can find both Green Smoothie Society and A Very Moody Morning over on patreon.com slash Liz Moody. I am so excited for this brand new community and to get to connect with you guys in this deeper, beautiful way. I launched it on Sunday and I've just been blown away, literally from the bottom of my heart, blown away by the response. It's made me cry many times, probably too many times, but I'm an emotional little, little flower. Um, and it's just, it just feels really special to get to have this, this community with all of you. So to everybody who's already joined, thank you. I love you. I am so excited to embark on this adventure together and to everybody who is interested and wants to check it out, who wants to check out the community and perhaps join up with all of us. That is patreon.com slash Liz Moody. So patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Liz Moody, like my name. And if you're worried, don't worry. Nothing is going to change at all here. You're still going to get Amazing interviews with world-class experts, all of the core series like Thriving Through Anxiety, Ask the Doctor, Healthy Cooking Secrets, everything on the Patreon is just pure bonuses. In fact, today we have a brand new episode of How I Learned to Love My Body featuring the amazing Katie Storino. Katie is an entrepreneur, a digital influencer, and body acceptance advocate. She's also the founder of Megababe, which is one of my all-time favorite product lines. I think they just do this really beautiful job of addressing issues like sweaty thighs or chest acne that so many of us deal with, but nobody talks about. We actually talk about in the episode how she deals with like the embarrassment around those types of things, because I think so many people are like, you know, stinky, I'm not allowed to have stinky feet. I'm supposed to be a pretty, like, soft, good-smelling woman. And she's like, nah, dude, I'm a human. I have stinky feet. I have stinky farts. And that's okay. So if you're looking for uh, affirmation of your stinkier body parts, you will get that in this episode. 
We also talk about how she learned to draw boundaries with her family around her body, including how she forgave her mother for the harder parts of her childhood, the specific steps that she took to overcome shame around her body, what she does when she's having bad body moments, her alcohol allergy, and how she has fun without booze, which I know so many of you are going to be interested in because so many people ask me about my intentional drinking journey all the time, and so much more. If you love this convo or my How I Learned to Love Your Body series in general, please share this episode with friends or people that you think would benefit from the content or consider writing a super quick review on your favorite podcast platform. They're both really wonderful ways to help spread the word about the pod so I can continue to get amazing guests and do these types of interviews. And it is so, so, so appreciated from the bottom of my heart. Okay, I love you. You are wonderful. Let's get into the episode. All right, Katie, I was just telling you, I'm such a fan of yours. I've been a fan of yours since the toast days, since like, I feel like you were toast PR manager sidekick. And now like you're the main, the main story, which is equally entertaining and wonderful. That's pretty much exactly how it happened. I was truly (laughs) toast's momager, dogager. And then, (laughs) and, and now I'm in front of the camera. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's actually I was reading recently that you like you hadn't gotten in front of the camera until a shoot with Amelia Dime. Was it with Man Repeller at the time? Yes, it was with Man Repeller. Toast was there to do a shoot for NARS. And I ended up chatting with Amelia, who um, was like the creative director of Man Repeller at the time. And I I kind of pitched a story uh, about getting dressed in a curvy body and how to dress for summer. And she was into it. And it was, it was truly the beginning of everything. I mean, Amelia has been at the, like, she's, she's, if, if something has happened, it's cause she was there. Can you talk a little bit about how you went from like being not comfortable in front of the camera to be like, you, you photograph yourself essentially for a living. I mean, you also yeah. write and tell stories and all that, but you're in front of the camera all the time now. So how did that happen? God, it was not easy. <laughs> I, I think people are like, oh, I, I, I don't like taking photos of myself and I don't think I could do this. And um and that's exactly how I was. I was when I started doing this and when I did that first shoot and then when I started my Instagram account and I I, I had a, I took about a year to get in the rhythm of posting and being authentic and um feeling comfortable putting myself out there because when I started this in 2000 and I think 2014 the Instagram the Instagram game was much more about like the right aesthetic, a breakfast spread, like great floral arrangement. And I didn't know how to do any of that. And I was also very uncomfortable being photographed. So um, I really had to just keep doing it until I got comfortable. Do you think like, this is a weird question, but when you think about being photographed, are you like, it's about like learning your angles and blah, blah, blah. Or is it about learning to be comfortable regardless of what angle you're at? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Truthfully, it's about learning your angles. Um, I don't think that most people are okay with just any photo that is snapped of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, we have like a certain idea (laughs) about the way we look, and it's yeah, it's not necessarily even a body thing. I think, I think, like there, we don't even know that we have a side that we prefer or that we have a certain way we like to portray ourselves. And um, 
that's that's when you really get down to the real models because the real models can can get photographed from any angle and kind of look the same or like have yeah. have the right look. Yeah, that's I mean, I for me it's like literally I take thousands of photos of myself and then I'm like, okay, I found like a few that work. And whenever anybody's (laughs) like, I don't like myself in photos, I'm like, yes, but have you taken literally 1700 to find one that you like? Yeah, you really do have. (laughs) Yeah, you have to find out. And the three that you find out of the 1700, there's something you're doing in there that you're like, this is how I'd like to look. Yeah, I know. Someday, someday in my influencer career, I'll evolve to the point where I can pinpoint what that is and, and redo it. But I'm, um, I'm not there yet. Do you have Do you have any like hot tips for taking photos that we'll like of ourselves, like little things we could replicate? That's exactly what it is. I think that you need to do. You need to play with like take photos until you find what you like. I also mm-hmm. think when I what what I used to do all the time is just. I would smile my real smile, like my real Mm. laughing human smile. And, and really like, you don't, that's why no celebrities on the red carpet are like really like, they're not doing that. You know, they're like doing their soft (laughs) smile face because there's like, it, it totally changes your face. And there's a time and a place for like a great big smile like that. But you kind of learn that that's not how it is. That's so interesting. So it's like, it's more like the, do you do that, that trick where you put your tongue up on the roof of your mouth and like you do like the, the little red carpet smile versus like a full on your real. I think your, I'm still stuck in Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen prune. <laughs> you know, do you know? Do you remember I totally that? know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was uh, yeah. obsessed with them. So I remember everything about them. <laughs> yeah, I, I the same way. <laughs> so you're like, you're, you're, you're making the, the Percy smile. Yeah, I'm still purse smiling and I'm not sure if that face is still even like an in face to me. It's trendy. Yeah, no, it looks it looks beautiful on you. So it's working. Okay, so let's like rewind back in time a little bit. I would love to hear a little bit about your journey with your body as you grew up, as you grew older, just kind of walk us through the timeline of it a little bit. Um, I yeah, I would say that I. I always felt like I was the biggest person in the room or that I was too big or just not the right size. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I didn't grow up in the middle of Manhattan, which is where I live now. I think um, people were even (laughs) had even larger bodies in Wisconsin than when I moved to New York, um, which was a total shock for me because I was like, I was like, whoa, I thought that, you know, my little high school friends were small. And this is a whole new level to aspire to in terms of mm. how tiny you can make your body. Um, and and then I would say that I struggled for about 10 plus years in New York, just always feeling too big, trying every single delivery diet, workout class. I mean, everything. Um, and really never achieving the size that I no was going to be acceptable by the fashion community at least which is like a two a four that kind of thing um so i i've always struggled and then it was really through that man repeller shoot that i was able to accept myself because it was the first time it was my big aha moment the first time that i realized like holy s i don't know if i can swear on this podcast but yeah um, swear away I, oh good i said holy shit my body is not the problem and that's what we say in the book because i truly thought like 
this is just something that's wrong with me. And like, why can't I just be normal like the rest of the of the world? So before you did that man repeller shoot, did you kind of just think you would be like a dog momager would be like your career path and like doing <laughs> PR and stuff like that forever? Um, Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I am an entrepreneur at heart. I did. I started my own company, um, my own PR company, and I started the Toast account and ran that. So I think I am creative and I think I am an entrepreneur, but I didn't see myself getting in front of the camera at all. And that, and again, like I said before, it took a long time to make that adjustment. You say in your, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, but like, it's, it's just, it's so interesting now to see you as like the founder of Mega Babe and the author and the podcast. It's just like, it's so interesting the direction that your career has gone and how incredibly phenomenally successful you've been in it to think that wasn't even like that it, it almost went in that direction by chance. Although obviously all the stuff that's happened since then was very intentional. You know what I mean? Yes, I I agree with you. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, you say in your book that the more comfortable you got talking about your body shame, the more you started to overcome it. Can you expound on that concept? I think that's really interesting. I think that Shame means that we carry for for many people, and for me, it means you carry this private secret that gets bigger and bigger and harder to um, harder to confront the longer you keep it inside. Mm. And I think that that's true across the board with any shame. Um, when we say it out loud, even to one person, sometimes it just mm. becomes less scary. And I think that that's what happened to me once I said like. Hey, like, I think my body, I think I have a freak body that like, I can't even believe this is my body. Can you? And, and I was met with like a, I was met with like a bunch of, yeah, that's what I look like too. I, I, I was like, wait, maybe I don't have a freak body. So I think that that was really a a big thing for me was, was, was being able to get brave enough to say it out loud and then being met with such I don't know. Basically, what what do they say? Find your tribe. I think I just mm. I had no idea that this world existed. Mm, that's interesting. Well, with that in mind, does like does social media feel like net positive or net negative to you then? Because it's a place where oh everybody God, can kind of like. OK, well, because you can yeah. speak your truth and say and and I think even people without followings like can post pictures of themselves and see that nothing bad Find happens and all of that. Yeah. Can but find your it people. also is like where a lot of the the per, the quote unquote bodies that like a lot of people aspire to have come from those images, you know, that's where you're that's where you have to be responsible for who you follow. And you can curate your feed and you can curate what you look at and what you see on a regular basis. So I I say that you it's a, it's up to you to make sure that the imagery and the messages that you're getting every day, that you're intentional with that. Mm. Yeah. So follow you. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think it's interesting when people say that they follow, um, that they follow, like they'll follow like an Australian bikini model for body inspiration. And that's a body you're just never going to have unless you like cut your head off and have it put on a new body. I don't know why that's body inspiration. I think it feels more like, like daily shame. Yeah. That's like something I've been coming to terms with, with my own body is that like, 
There's times where my body is more in shape or less in shape or a little heavier, a little lighter, but there's also just like certain parameters. My body is never going to exit. And I was able to realize that about like my height early on, but for some reason, the rest of it, like it's, it's a very recent realization that they're like, nope, this is just sort of my shape and that's what it's going to look like. Yes. Yeah. And let's work with that. Um, I mean, that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, it is, it is it, but it's hard because it's like, we're told so much that like, if you eat this, if you do this workout, like all of the messaging around our bodies is around the idea that you could go from X to Y. So to be like, I can go from (laughs) X minus to X plus is it's a different way of looking at it. You know, I think that I, and I think that sometimes if you look deeper into that, I've seen people post about this. Someone is benefiting from that messaging. Someone is benefiting from saying that uh, if you are like an apple shaped body and you uh, that you can turn into Gwyneth Paltrow if you just do these workouts and eat this diet. And there's just there's a lot of times there's just no truth to it. And it's also um, an unhealthy way to look at things. Do you ever get like jealous, though, of people who were they're, you know, they were born into a different body. I mean, I guess it's privilege, like so many other privileges in the world, but you're just exposed to, you know, you're walking red carpets and you're in New York, you're hanging out with movie stars, like people with crazy bodies. How do you, do you get jealous? Do I get jealous? It's a, that's a great question that I've never been asked. And it's not so much a jealousy as it is a recognition because I loved Growing up, I loved models. I was big into the 90s models. I've just, I've always been a fan of models. Um, And that body type is very specific. So when I see a woman who just has like that type of body, that body that I could never have, it's more of an appreciation. I'm like, Mm. I, I really like, I just, I'm like, wow, love that. Like, look at her. She's stunning. Like there's, there's just more of an appreciation of it than a jealousy thing. I'm oh, I definitely used to get jealous and then I think that that would push me into um more disordered eating and like fat like crazy fad workouts and stuff like that, but really I I'm just I'm never going to have that body. I have the height. I just I will never have that frame. And it's just been like the process of of really accepting that has made you go from jealousy to appreciation? I would say so. I think the appreciation is always there, but then eventually that appreciation that would come back to me and be like, but why can't you have that? Mm, Interesting. I loved the letter that you shared in your book to your mom. Mm -hmm. I would love while we're still kind of like talking about childhood and and your relationship with your body as you were aging or growing older can you talk a little bit about how your relationship with your parents impacted how you view your body and specifically I just love the forgiveness that you seem to have found which I don't think a lot of people have yet oh it's tough right you gotta do it and um my mom is like so many moms and so many women it's not it's not our fault and it's not their fault that we've been taught to think bad things about our body or to think incorrectly or to have everything through a judgmental lens. That's not our fault. And that's what I'm actively working on changing, you know, 
day by day, minute by minute in my own community and, and through my own work and through the people with the people in the body acceptance space, because I'm not the only one out there doing this. So as that voice and that message gets louder, I hope that there's change for the future. And I hope you can, we can catch women um, at any stage of their life and finally give them some peace about their body. Uh, That being said, this conversation started about one minute ago. So I think that there's a lot of people who need more time to process it. And I also find that that women, especially older women, are more mm, combative, I would say. It's it's they don't want they don't want you to tell them to accept their bodies. They don't want to hear that. Some of them Um, they want to say no, I will continue to fight these five pounds. I want to fight these five pounds always. Um, Why? Why do you think like that sounds miserable? Why is that? Well, because I think it takes a minute to unlearn all the things that you've been taught. And without it, who are you? What are you going to do then? If you're, what are you going to do if, if you aren't having that daily, daily narrative or doing all those little things that you do with yourself or, it it's it it is it's like you kind of abandon this whole section of your brain which is dedicated to the shame around what you did and didn't eat the you know guilting yourself did i work out did i work out enough well now i've got this big dinner well now i need to you know do this well i've got this wedding coming up i've got to lose this weight for this wedding i can't show my arms at the wedding i mean these these narratives are they're so continuous and so in the background of everything that we do, I think it's really hard to say, hey, ditch that whole thing and just come over here and do something else. I think it's hard to say no to that. Mm. So how did that how did that play out in your relationship with your mom? My mom doesn't talk about my body anymore. Um, I don't know that my mom agrees with my messaging 100%. She's very into health, which there's nothing wrong with with that, she's very into, um, oh, I think that she definitely, I think I've helped her accept her body to an extent, but um, I, I've, I've just more had to come to peace with the fact that that's how she is. And I may never really get her over to my side. And that's what, that's what it is, is that I think people have um, they're like, well, how do I make my mom accept my body? Well, your mom may never accept your body because your mom may have her own issues forever and that's on her and you kind of just have to make it so that it's comfortable for you that your body is not a, a conversation that you're that you're not being subjected to ridicule or shame when you are interacting with your family or your close friends or loved ones and you um you you know that you got to watch out for you in that space and whatever their body journey is you're not going to be able to help them so like super pragmatically, does that mean like verbally asserting a boundary? Like if you're, yeah. if your mom always makes these little comments about like, oh, maybe you shouldn't wear that oh, yeah. kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. Do you say something? You bet. Like <laughs> you do. I, I think, I think you do. And I think that it's, it's really easy, especially with families, you can revert into kind of old habits and it's really easy oh, yeah. to get super defensive and you, you just, you have to play a game. Amelia and I talk about this. You have to play a game called someone else's mom, where you have to almost step out of your body. You have to look at this woman 
as not your mom who you mm-hmm. have all these like feelings about, but you have to look at her just as a woman and you got to have some empathy for her and some sympathy for her own journey. And, um, and also have a conversation with her in a mature way. Say I like, like I, literally my body's not up for discussion. And then probably the next thing is what about your health? I go to the doctor regularly. I mean, there's there's an answer for all of this. And then it really comes down to the fact that if you can't control the comments you make about my body, I can't be around you as much. And then I think mm. ultimately that's the that's really the hard hitting threat. And it's true, though, because all, you really do have to you have to set a boundary up for yourself so that you feel OK, because the people that are closest to us are quite often the ones who can tear us down the fastest. Yeah, I it, you almost have to like curate the people that are open for these that, that like are healthy to have these types of conversations with and the people that it's yes. just like off limits that's not good for me. Yes. Yeah. That's I love the somebody else's mom thing. Like I'm going to I think that works <laughs> for so much more than oh just body God. stuff. Oh, like it, it works for I like it everything holidays. that annoys me about yes, my mom. Yes, <laughs> exactly. When my mom comes to visit, I got to treat her like <laughs> this is just like a great woman who's here to have a good time and like <laughs> let me show her around and I'm not going to get annoyed that she is trying to help me organize my cabinets or you know just <laughs> like uh, is just up in my business. Yeah. It's just like we have so it's, it's letting go a little bit of like the years and years and years of baggage that many of us have with our parents and acknowledging that they're people. Like I love, I I think that's one of the things I like love about how you talk about your mom and your body is like, it's, it's with such empathy and grace for the fact that she is like not just your mom. She is a human who's going through her own shit. She's just a human woman. And she chose to have children. And I am a child that she had. And I, I would imagine that it's really difficult to take your child into the doctor and have them have the doctor say she needs to go on a diet. Like I, I would, I would be like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, I guess I, I guess that's what we're doing. Cause the doctor told me to. So that's, I mean, I can't, I can't blame her for that. For sure. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for more than five years now, I've been drinking AG1. It's just one scoop mixed in water, and it makes me feel energized and focused without any kind of caffeine jitters. I discovered AG1 after a ton of research because I was looking for one simple habit I could incorporate into my day that would support my entire body and cover my nutritional bases. No matter what the rest of the day looks like, I know that I'm getting essential brain, gut, and immune health support. I just mix a scoop of AG1 into my water. I think it tastes delicious too, which I know people are always nervous about, but I think it's like a tropical vanilla flavor and I crave it, especially because I associate the flavor with feeling so good. Of course, we're always trying to eat our fruits and vegetables and balance meals over here, but nobody is perfect. So AG1 helps support me with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and adaptogens. I especially love it for all of the travel I've been doing. I think it's a huge reason why I still feel so good and have avoided getting sick despite being on a plane a few times a week for so much of this year and having to eat out so often. AG1 is rigorously third-party tested, which you know I always look out for. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything. AG1 is one of the highest quality products to elevate your health, 
And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. That's drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. Check it out. When I worked as a magazine editor, I wrote more than a thousand articles about turmeric because pretty much all of the doctors that I used as sources kept recommending it or citing it as one of the supplements that they would personally take. Here's the background. Turmeric is one of the most powerful ways to fight inflammation. In a nutshell, there are two types of inflammation, acute and chronic. Acute inflammation can actually be a good thing. It's one of the ways that your body heals and repairs itself. But when that system goes haywire, we get chronic inflammation, which essentially makes your body feel like it's constantly under attack. The vast majority of doctors I work with cite chronic inflammation as one of the root causes of so many of our modern ailments, and research links inflammation with heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cancer, arthritis, and gut issues like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I am never going to sit around and tell you that a supplement will cure everything that ails you, but if you're looking for a turmeric supplement to help get your inflammation under control, I am extremely impressed with Paleo Valleys. To increase the bioavailability of turmeric, you need to consume it with black pepper, which most people know, and fat, which many people forget about. Paleo Valley's turmeric complex has black pepper and coconut oil to maximize absorption and three other powerful anti-inflammatories, ginger, rosemary, and clove, for a maximum synergistic response. It also has no fillers, binders, or preservatives and is made with all organic ingredients and just a veggie capsule. Finally, it's third-party tested, which is something I always look for in supplements as extra assurance of their quality. I've had my uncle taking this for about three months, and he's gone from having debilitating back pain due to an autoimmune condition to being almost completely pain-free. Paleo Valley has a number of other incredibly high-quality, food-derived supplements, including a vitamin C that I adore. Vitamin C is my ultimate favorite supplement for skin health, and a neuro-effect mushroom powder that Zach loves for increasing energy and focus. So definitely explore their website. If you'd like to check out the turmeric complex, the vitamin C, the neuro effect, or any of Paleo Valley's other amazing products, head over to paleovalley.com and use the code LizM for 15% off. That's paleovalley.com and code LizM for 15% off your order. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I love chatting about this stuff. Now let's get back to the episode. How has your relationship with your body impacted your dating and relationships? Mm. I would say that it was really difficult. So, so it's funny because I actually, I went through a divorce and then I started dating through this process of starting my Instagram and mega babe and, and this whole self-acceptance process. So it was very interesting to see how I changed and how I didn't change. Um, mm. I would say that my my instinct to show up as I am was correct and and was there, and I would post full body photos. And there's nothing about me that it, that I'm hiding. I don't think um, that that I was hiding in my dating profiles because I wanted people to say. Hey, this is me and this is what I look like. Now, 
am I factoring in or acknowledging that I have a bigger body and some people have a preference for for that and some people don't? Yes, I am. And so sometimes does that mean I'll look at a guy, you, you know, the type of guy, you know, like a waspy, like a, he's tall, he's thin, he's in khakis. He like went to boarding school like he that he's looking for himself. He's not looking at me and I'm not necessarily looking at him. But I think that there is a factor that I think there is a process that I would say that I did go through where I would rule out certain people before we even met because I'm like, that guy's not going to like me. Is that practical? Maybe. Is it ruling people out before they, is it judging people? Yes. So I definitely am acknowledging that I did that. Well, and also, I mean, from what uh, another interview that I listened to with you, it sounded like you ruled out your husband, not in the same way, but like in a a different way. Can you talk about that? (laughs) Yes. I ruled out him because I uh, because I, like many women, we, we've got our priorities backwards sometimes. And I think we've got, um, we need the right pedigree. We need the right background. We need the right job. We need the right clothes, the right address. Like these are the things we prioritize. And, um, that's not always the best. It's not always how you land in the happiest relationship. And it took me a minute to recognize that and realize that. And again, I don't fault women for having some sort of, um, not standard, but you've got an idea of what you want. And I, and I think once I was open to the fact that I, what I wanted and what I actually needed for a healthy relationship were two different things. I, I was able to recognize that I had actually found this really amazing human and that everything that I needed was right in front of me. I I think that's very sweet. I also love like the story that you told of like how you guys met where you like invited him over for Valentine's Day and you just <laughs> wanted to like get laid and you were like in sexy lingerie and stuff. Yes. I think it's like, <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, he like thought he was going to get robbed or I don't know. It's like a very. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, he he thought he was. Um, it was unclear why this girl was inviting him over and he thought it must have been too good to be true. And he thought I was either going to be like a prostitute or, or, or I was, it was like a robbery situation, but he came anyway. And that is, <laughs> that's the thing you got to note is that he showed up. Um, and yes, we did give him a, a, a clothing makeover. Uh, he was in <laughs> jeggings and like a banana Republic t-shirt and, um, now he's got like a great wardrobe and guess what? That guy had a sense of style and he didn't know it. He, he mm. like when he started to play with clothes a little bit more, now he's got like color references and shirts and he puts things together by himself and yeah, he's got his own thing going on, which is pretty cool to watch. Yeah. It's like you opened up a whole new realm of creativity for him. Yes. And I will say also with interiors, like our whole place, we just bought an apartment in Palm Beach and our whole place is pink. And, and I get a lot of comments like, oh, my husband would never go for that. And I'm like, okay. Um, he like, he's like, loves it. He thinks that, that we've got like a great house. Also, I think pink was considered a traditionally masculine color until like 1920. So it's very recent that it switched to be like a you. feminine color. Yeah. So. I agree with you. 
So those people are silly. One of the other things I love about that story too is I like I slept with my husband on the first date. He wasn't my husband, but I or and it wasn't even a date. I met him at a bar and then I, we had sex. <laughs> and now we're married. And I think yeah. that there's this like weird societal thing of like playing games and like if you do that, like you get put in one. I like just like two days ago saw a TikTok that was like there's different buckets and once he puts you in one bucket, he won't yeah. like move you into another bucket. And I'm like, are we still perpetuating that myth? But like, is it true? It's, I, I don't think so. Like, I think That's I was the, the thing is I, I feel I feel unfortunately like it wasn't true with your husband. It wasn't true with my husband. However, there's definitely been things where you've had like a connection with someone. You've gone home with them and then you never hear from them again. See, I disagree. I think then, then like, I think if somebody likes you, there's nothing you're going to do that's going to make them not like you. And mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't like you, there's nothing you're going to do to make them, to make them like, like you. you. And so like all of right. the time and effort that we spend trying to like micro manipulate the situation is literally like one, I guess it's a little bit fun because you like can talk about it with your girlfriends and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But like, yes. it's like a game. It's not, it's yes. not going to change the outcome. You either game. like each other or you don't. I agree. I agree with you. You're absolutely correct. But you're like, but also. <laughs> you're, no, you, <laughs> no, you are correct. But I do. I, I guess I guess what you're saying is that when people are dating, if someone, listen, you sleep with someone and they like you and they're in a place where they want to be in a relationship, that's going to happen. And if not, it's it's yeah, you're not going to like trick them into it. You're not going to trick them into it. Yeah. I'm constantly telling my sister just like, don't text me when you're thinking about this guy, like text him for the love of Jesus. Like, I don't need to hear about it anymore. Like tell him you want to see him, you know, uh, she doesn't do that by the way. Uh, she continues to text me, which is super I, fun. Uh, I got it. I know it. <laughs> but I love this story too, because it's so sex positive. Like, even if you were like, this isn't my person I'm going to marry and you'd very much put him not in that bucket. You were like, I'm going to put on cute laundry and have a guy come over and have good Valentine's day sex. So I'm curious, did, have you always been like comfortable sexually and been sex positive in that way? Man. So this is just, this is an episode. I just can't give to my mom, but yes, (laughs) I, it is. Um, I have been. And I think that, I mean, certainly I was married or I was in a relationship for 10 years. And then, um, and I like to say, my, my sister listens to when I talk about this sometimes, she's like, okay, we get it. We get it. You were very single, but yeah, I was like very active sexually um, before I got into that 10 year relationship and then very active after. Um, but yes, I think that, I think there's a certain amount of fun that can be had an adventure and um, that you can learn things about yourself through those types of physical interactions. And I think uh, it's not for everyone, but I don't know. I, I think, I think, you know, at, at, at the, on the one hand it's fun. And on the other end, it's a chance to get to know someone in a, in a different way. What did you learn about yourself then? Oh, I think, well, I think that there's, I, I think that there it, there's like in some cases you can like get your mojo back. I think it's interesting to get to be desired by someone or to um to see yourself through someone else's eyes. I think that that can be really powerful. Not to say that you need validation in order to have self-esteem. It's more that like like I get it. I understand that, but I'm just saying, "Hey, 
like there is something kind of great when someone's looking at you and just can't resist you. There's there that's that can be really powerful. It's an interesting dichotomy, though, for me to picture you being like not that stoked to have your photo taken, but totally mm. down to like sleep with a guy. And um, thank you. And yeah. and it's how <laughs> for people who are listening and they're like, I would love to feel sex positive, but I still feel like I like need to turn the lights out. And I'm a lot of people's relationship with their body is really tied up in how sex partners will view their body, you know? Yes. I agree with you. And I am just someone, let's see, how do I put this? I've always been, I'm more comfortable naked or in underwear than I am in clothes. Hmm. Which is not the norm, I would say. Yeah, why do you think that I I, I don't know, because I think at my core, I must like the way my body looks without clothes on hmm we're working through this live we've never talked about this before (laughs) so I don't have the answer but I I would guess that that's it so so while I felt ashamed about walking into Vogue in my outfit or not being able to wear jeans because I just didn't think that my body looked good in jeans because it didn't look like the like you know like the thin girls who could wear the jeans with a white t-shirt and look incredible um I I think naked or in swimsuits i i or underwear i just felt my body i don't know i just i i never i didn't have problems with my body in the in the in those states of undress did you always feel like attractive to the people you wanted to feel attractive to yes uh <sighs> no no what am i talking about no i think i was rejected all the time. I, I, I'm not, I certainly, I confidence in the body department, uh, when it comes to romance is, is not something that I had problems with. Um, it was more when you got into like the female settings or I'm in, uh, I'm in a sorority and everyone's got like the tiny sorority shorts on, but I can't wear them. That kind of thing. This is where, this is where my, um, my deep shame and insecurities were happening. But I I experience things differently um, in the bedroom, I guess. Again, this is a live realization. So we're all doing it together. It's really interesting in the fact that it just brings it back to the idea that your body isn't the problem, as you say. Like the right. clothes, that, that says to me more than anything else that the clothes are the problem, not your body. You're right. Yeah. Which yes. like makes sense that you have like the whole make my size series and like you know what I mean it's like so much of your work is around like yo the clothes are the problem like let's yeah. figure out yes this problem. Dr. Rudy this is very interesting <laughs> I agree with you I agree with you and I don't know that it's I don't know that it's validation from sexual experiences I think it's more that that was just an area that I always felt that I knew that I felt good in and again because we live in a fat phobic society and that are the preferred. I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to men who said that like it was hard for them growing up because like everyone wanted the cheerleader and they felt ashamed that they liked a thicker girl and Mm. they, that they like, so there's a whole thing that happens there. Um, 
But I, I do. I think that I think that that's just an area that I felt confident in, despite having many people reject me for sure. Well, that brings up two thoughts for me. One is that like a huge part of the work we're doing societally is not only to make people feel comfortable living in their body, but also to make people feel comfortable liking and being attracted to what they like and are attracted to. Like every time we're normalizing on one end, we're sort of normalizing it on the other end as well. And then the second thought is that similar to like, you're like, well, you know, there's certain validation with a partner in the bedroom, whatever, but there's also a validation that happens every single time you put on clothes or a lack of validation that happens when you put on clothes. And I think that that can be, um, when people are just like, oh, like whatever, it doesn't fit its clothes, like get over it. It's like, no, it's like either validating that my body is okay, or it's not validating that my body is okay. You know? Yes. If I can't go shopping, if I can't, if I can't need a, need a dress and want to go buy one today and I can't go find one in a store and I live in New York city, what does that say about me? That, that is, that says something's wrong. Well, that brings me to your two famous series, which I love both of them, the Make My Size series and then the uh, Recreate the Look series where you recreate the look of celebrities. I'm curious, you've done a lot of them and they're such good fashion inspiration. They're such good sort of like activism towards brands because I feel like brands do actually listen to you, which is really cool. Um, But I'm curious, have you learned anything that's surprised you about the fashion industry, about clothes while making those series? Yeah, I would say um, several things. I would say that one, um, quite often clothes. So if if you have a if you have a line that is zero through fourteen, and then you add a sixteen to it, and you, you've just you've used the you've used like the zero or two to just cut up, it doesn't fit right, and it's not going to fit right. There's a difference when you're starting. Um, with a different cut to fit a curvy body. So that's, that's one thing. Those clothes are different Two, Um, I would say that guess what? Sometimes the retailers have been right in, in their old timey predictions, which is that bigger women do not want to spend money on nice clothing at their big size. And I think Mm. that that is disappointing as hell. And very interesting because I am out here in my little bubble of, um, you know, body acceptance. And then you and then sometimes I'll poll people or I'll ask a deeper question in my stories. And the answers I get back are super sad. And it's like, like the assumption is it's going to change. And so you don't want to spend money like validating. Yes. Size. Yeah. Yes. Because you don't want. Yeah. You don't want to buy a fancy dress because eventually you're going to lose weight. And this is your temporary mm. body. And the point is that these, these, our bodies are all temporary. Our, as we age, as we change, pregnant, not pregnant, you know, disease comes in. I mean, not to be negative. I'm just saying our bodies are always yeah. changing. And so it's interesting to think that eventually the body we will get is some sort of like tiny tight body that we've always wanted is about right. to, is going to show up one day. And I well, don't and it know also means that you're like that waiting in a you're like living in a state of waiting instead of living in a state of living. You are you are living in a state of black stretch jersey is what you're living in because uh. I I find that I find that a lot of women um in that kind of size area are um they they're camouflaged, they wear long cardigans, 
They love like, uh, they love covering their arms. They, they won't wear shorts. They, they, it's this permanent like uniform of hiding, which I hate. Mm. So then the brand's like, you're like, make my size. And the brand does. And then they're like, nobody's buying it. That has happened before. And that it's been extremely disappointing. Yeah, that is, that is. Yeah. um, But on the other hand, I I would say that um, that is not always the case. And that the other side of that is you see a healthy business grows from it or those sizes sell out the fastest and they start to make more. So there's, it's not always, but it's a, it is an, it is a truth that is, that does exist out there. Have you learned anything about like looking cute, making the series, like about fashion? Can you teach me, you know, how to look cute in fashion? Well, you know what? I would say that the supersize, the looks actually are, um, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm stuck for what to wear, I'll go back to my Instagram and I'll look. Yeah. I mean, cause like celebrities, the, the, the pictures, the inspiration pictures you're picking, they're like really cute outfits. Yeah. And, and the best part is someone they've paid a lot of money for someone to put those yeah. seemingly casual outfits together. So like, yeah, you might as well go ahead and, and make them your own. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that there's like a lot of style inspiration and and ways to dress that I would not necessarily think of. So whenever I feel like I'm in a rut or I want to look kind of extra special, I'll go back and say, is there anything in here I can put together? You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. I have been looking for a quality fish oil to take myself and recommend to you for years, and I genuinely couldn't find one that met my quality standards. And then I kept hearing from doctors on the pod about how important it was for our brains and our hearts, even dermatologists who said it makes a huge difference for our skin. And I was like, okay, I truly need to figure this out. Then I found O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil from Puri. The brand was literally created because the founder ran into the same problem as me. He couldn't find anything truly pure enough to take daily. Puri believes in full transparency with all of their products. Every single batch is third-party tested by the Clean Label Project and IFOS, which tests fish oils looking for the highest quality, safety, and purity standards in the world against more than 200 contaminants, heavy metals, pesticides, glyphosate, dioxins, and bisphenols, to name a few, and they always receive a 5 out of 5 star rating. Every Puri bottle actually comes with a QR code so you can scan and see the results for yourself. This is well above the standards of any other fish oil I've found, which is so important to me because if I am consuming something for my health, I don't want it to actually be causing harm. Puri's fish oil is so fresh, you'll never get any gross fishy burps because every batch is tested to make sure it hasn't oxidized and gone rancid. And yes, that is where those burps come from. Do not just take my word. With Puri, you can find actual data behind every single batch, which makes Puri a supplement brand that you can trust. Right now, Puri is offering my listeners 20% off their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil and all of their great products. Go to my special URL, puri.com slash Liz Moody, and use my promo code Liz Moody. This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions. You will get almost a third off the price. Go to puri.com slash L-I-Z M-O-O-D-Y. Do not wait. Use promo code Liz Moody at P-U-O-R-I dot com slash Liz Moody. 
We love talking about our gut health here on the Healthier Together podcast, which is why I'm so excited to share the life-changing Seed Daily Symbiotic. I actually discovered Seed back when I was working as an editor full-time. A bottle came across my desk and I was instantly taken by how cute the green glass packaging is. Then I found out that that packaging was actually refillable so that Seed could share its products as sustainably as possible. And then I actually looked into the research behind Seed and, well, I was blown away. First of all, Seed is not just a probiotic. It is a symbiotic. That means it contains both pre and probiotics, which is super important. In fact, if you remember my Ask the Doctor Gut Health Edition, we talked about how prebiotics are one of the most important and often underlooked components of great gut health. Let me break it down for you. Probiotics are the live bacteria that are so beneficial to our gut health, but prebiotics are the food that those probiotics need to thrive. If you don't have ample prebiotics, the probiotics you're consuming will be undernourished and not be able to help your health in the way that you want. Speaking of your health, there's also a common misconception that probiotics or symbiotics are for people with gut issues, which is so not true. Like, yes, the seed symbiotic is amazing for your gut health, but your gut health impacts everything in your entire body, your skin, your mental health, your cardiovascular health, your ability to actually assimilate the maximum amount of nutrients from all that healthy food you're eating. Having a happy gut is critical for all of it. It is hard to narrow down everything else that I love about seed. I am extremely particular with my supplements and I don't take many, but seed is just stellar across the board. It's been tested and tested and tested. Seriously, their testing process is bananas to make sure that it has 100% survival through the digestive process, which is so rare. And somehow they do all of that without needing refrigeration, which is very handy. I find that when I have refrigerated probiotics, I just forget about them and they get buried behind like old jars of pasta sauce, whereas I keep these on my bedside table. So I'm reminded to take them every single night. They also contain the 24 strains that are the most scientifically studied to support your whole body's health. I am obviously passionate about this stuff. Taking care of my gut has been a key part of my own anxiety journey and seed has been a vital part of that. So feel free to reach out with any questions. And if you like learning about gut health and how probiotics and prebiotics actually function, I highly recommend heading over to seed.com. They have a whole educational section that breaks down the science behind your microbiome in some of the easiest to understand ways that I have ever seen. And if you would like to try Seed for yourself and pretty much change your life forever, you can go to Seed.com and use the code Liz Moody for 15% off your first month supply of Seed's Daily Symbiotic. Again, that's code Liz Moody on Seed.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. I Can you just really fast, like just to explain to people, I think a lot of people are like, wait, what? They paid a lot of money. I think people understand that people pay for stylists for like the red carpet. But there is not the assumption that people are paying for stylists outside of that. Can you just elaborate on that for a hot sec? Yes, I would say that um, people, um, the celebrities, like their brand image is everything. That's that's how they get jobs. If they're actresses, sometimes if people like their style, they get featured more in magazines. They get featured more like they just get featured more and they stay in people's minds. And for some of them, that's how they stay successful despite not working or not even like being Blake Lively things. I feel like hasn't like she was in Gossip Girl and she's been in movies but nothing like hugely successful but we're all still com- I'm obsessed with obsessed her because she dresses yes. so cute she's got such good style and that that's exactly it so I think now not necessarily Blake Lively but I can think of other people that 
Um, they've got paparazzi outside their house all the time. And it's just a daily photo of their outfits. And that is, um, that can be a tactic that can be a career tactic. So therefore they employ people to make sure that their outfits are good. And then they become a style icon and then they get a, you know, they get a big deal with Dior or a skincare brand or something like that, because people consider them to have good style. Well, and I also think it's important to internalize that even in these moments where you think you're viewing celebrities as off and like comparing no. yourself to them in their off moments, oh, like they're not. Yeah. No. Like they're still have a team making them look their casual off duty yep. look. You that's know? Exa- yes, that's exactly it. We can never compare ourselves to celebrities because it is a team. It's a literal team. Yeah, completely. Are there there things that you do in the moments where you have like a little bit of a spiral or moments you feel bad about your body? Like do you have mantras you tell yourself or things you remind yourself or active like yes. actual active things you do? Nope. I do a nope and I put nope in the book because that's what it is. If I if I'm in front of the mirror and I start to spiral out about something or I start to say oh like you know I'm not looking my best or ugh why do I look like this or I don't like this. I just nope myself and cut up, cut off the thought. Now that's, so that's not like to an say out that, loud nope. Yeah, that's uh, no. It's usually an inside nope. Okay, <laughs> you can nope out loud too if you want. <laughs> but I, um, I and that's also not to say that like you don't have to like every outfit you put on and stand in front of the mirror. Like that's okay. Like I don't need you to to do that. But if if no matter what you wear, you're gonna be giving yourself a bad face in the mirror then that's when you're noping. Mm, I like that. Um, I like the idea of just like stopping the negative train of thought. Do you uh-huh. replace it with anything positive? Like, are you yes. like, nope, and? I got it. <laughs> like, yes, and. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, um, it's nope. And then, yeah, I want you to find something in the mirror that you do like. So maybe it is your dress. Maybe it is your eyeshadow, your hair. You just got a cool manicure. Uh, whatever it is, I, I do, I do like to stop the negative thought and replace it with a positive one. And it's interesting that you say in the mirror, because I think a lot of times we're taught to like, or told to shift the focus, like, oh, it's just your appearance. It doesn't matter. You should like focus on what a kind person you are, but you're like, no, "No, replace it with like something aesthetic. Yes. Because that's what it is. That's what, I mean, that's that's what the negative thought is. So it's like the negative thoughts are really some, they're a made up aesthetic. It's not, it's, they're all emotional. It doesn't, you don't actually, you don't actually look that different. If you gain or lose five pounds, you don't actually look that different. If you like, there's all these, there's all these like made up things we have in our head. Like, ugh, like my, I need to put makeup on. Do you really, do you look so different with a little bit of mascara. I don't know. So th- that that's that's the thing is a lot of these things for me I find are just they're just made up little rules about what we need to look hmm. acceptable or to feel acceptable is really the thing. I love that. I'd love to talk about Mega Big for maybe Mega Mega Babe for a second. I am obsessed with the thigh rescue. I recommend it all of the time. People are always like, "How do you go hiking in shorts?" And I'm like, "Let me tell you." Um, <laughs> also, in New York City, I'd always wear these like cute little dresses around, and my like it's so sweaty in the summer. Uh, so yes. it's I think one of the best products of all time, and I highly recommend it to everybody. But I'm I'm interested in the fact that like perusing your site. So many of the products are designed for things that people consider like embarrassing. Like you have like 
foot odor and chest acne and then the thigh rescue, which is for thigh chafing. I'm curious if um, you get if you get embarrassed ever like is embarrassment or you just like, I do not know that emotion. I I sure do get embarrassed, but it's not about things like that. I get embarrassed if you talk to me in the subway, if we're in a crowded elevator, which used to happen um, and you know, you spark up a conversation. I get very embarrassed about people hearing my personal conversations or Mm. um, I, I, there's lots of embarrassment. I get probably embarrassed more like a teen would get embarrassed. I don't know. Um, But there's, (laughs) yes, lots of ways to embarrass me. My sister loves to do it. She knows I get really embarrassed, but um, when it comes to the physical stuff, no. And you know what I found? Girls are gross. Girls are, (laughs) um, you know, like you're with your friends and you're talking about farting or like, you know, pooping yeah. your pants or like all we these have things. bodies, you know, yes, like- we have bodies, <laughs> but we've been taught that we, that, you know, that's for, that's for, you know, this is like dated thinking, but that's for, that's for boys. That's for gross girls. Like that's not what an attractive, desirable girl mm. does. So I think that there's like a, there's a lot of that that goes into it is this like stereotype, the sexist reasoning that girls are meant to be small and pretty and not sweat and that's just never been who I am so there's power in in discussing it I mean that foot spray ooh, that sold out fast on the first run that means like that's that's a stinky foot problem that that says to me that you know this is like another problem women don't talk about it's like such a human issue just like chafing just like our body sweat, our boob sweat. I mean, these are just normal things that that I had to make a company to to solve. I mean, this is that's what that is what I always find interesting is that like the beauty industry it was right there the whole time, but no one mm-hmm. no one thought of it. They're like, "You know what? More lipstick." Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's also it's, it is so in, innately sexist at its core. Like I sure for years I would like pretend I didn't fart, pretend I didn't poop in front of Zach. (laughs) And we still like, I'm not like going to his face and farting in his face. And I'm not like, you know, dousing my poop because like bad smells are still bad smells. But it's also just like I was like, why, why should I have to pretend and sometimes make yourself physically uncomfortable to pretend that your body doesn't do normal bodily functions? Yes. And I've done that in relationships before where I've do you where I've held that I've held that stuff back or tried to be a lady or whatever and um it's bullshit it's total bullshit do you fart yeah. in front of your husband you bet <laughs> do you guys never in front of each I, other? literally never again will i will i hold anything in <laughs> are you are you open door poopers i am fine he's not he's a shy flower <laughs> i'm like i'm like what's up you want to come talk to me like he's like no i and he's don't. like no thank you you're yeah you're an animal <laughs> I'm also curious because you're allergic to alcohol, which is like yes. a big way that people deal with embarrassment and insecurities. Like, do you think that in absence of having that as a coping mechanism, you had to sort of become comfortable with with who you were? No, I'm I'm actually I'm quite not antisocial, but I'm um <laughs> I'm do you quite, wish you had alcohol? <laughs> I'm quite a shut in. I I really do. I really do struggle in large social settings. Um, uh, I don't know what that Jerry Seinfeld quote is, but it's like I I can talk to all of you, but I can't talk to any of you. 
Like I'm much, mm. I'm fine to go in front of a crowd and talk, but I have a hard time doing one-on-one conversations or even like a big group dinner. I mean, that stuff is really hard for me. Interesting. Are you, like, so I, if I were drunk, I imagine I wouldn't care. How did you find out you were allergic to alcohol? Or did you just like drink it and yeah, I drank. Feel shitty. Uh, yeah, I drank and um, had the same reaction every single time. And then I went to a doctor, and he said that I was missing an enzyme to process um, the most common forms of alcohol. Or the most common form of alcohol now is sometimes people love to tell me about rice wine and shit like that, and I'm like, I don't know. I just never cared. Weed gummies is another story. (laughs) I know. It's nice that like now there's so much more stuff available. If you do want to have your mind altered in some sort of way, you could do that before your dinner parties. Sure. I mean, not really me because I am like a giggling mess. So it's not, it's not. Yeah. I'm just, if I'm out there, I'm just, I'm sober as hell in the world. I like to go to dinner at like 6 PM. I'm about as like, retired lifestyle as they come. I love the talking to people who don't drink for whatever reason, because I do think there is this perception to that, to be like out in the world, having fun. You have this like really cool, enviable life, I think. And, and people think that having that without alcohol is like almost impossible. So it's, it's always fun to see that it's not actually in practice. You know what I mean? No. And, and I, I would tell you that I went to the club for like 15 years, sober as hell. And just danced? Not even. I don't know what I was doing. Talking? I'm not <laughs> sure. That's the thing. Like, I like I, sometimes you look back and you're like, how did I do that? But I really did. I mean, I was sober all through college. I was sober uh, in my 20s in New York City. But again, I used to go out, like we'd go to dinner at 10 p.m. And then we would, we would like, you couldn't get to a place before midnight or it wasn't cool and no one was there. Right. So oh my like, God. right. So, th- can so I think about the hours that I used can to you imagine? Like insane. I really cannot now. I got, I have to pick my friend up at the airport at like 10 30 tonight and I'm already trying to plan for how I'm going to make it. <laughs> no, I don't even yeah, know how it's... you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. <laughs> I had so to you, do, I, I just... did QVC last Friday night and my time block was, um, my time block was, 10 30 p.m. on a Friday night. And I was like, I mean, I was coffee pounding, just like <laughs> amped up because otherwise I'd be asleep. But now I meet myself <laughs> on the other end and I'm up at like four or five, six in the morning. So it's it's like I've I've come all the way around to the other end. Yeah, that's I'm not quite there yet. I'm like sleep at night and sleep in the I'm in that phase of my life where I just want to be in bed all the time. Um for better or for worse. Um you shared your like nope tip and I love I think one of my favorite things about your book is you definitely could have written and sold just a straight up memoir, but instead you chose to make something that was essentially a workbook, like something that's so actionable and so pragmatic and so like here, you can do this along with me and you will be changed by the end. And I was reading some of the reviews and people were like, there a lot of people are already like, I am changed. I did the workbook yes. and I feel different at the end of it, which is so cool. Um, so I, I appreciate you taking that route so much, but like, we love those really pragmatic tips and tricks on this podcast, like things people can go home and do tonight and feel better. So obviously everybody's going to go and buy your book. They but buy can the you book. just share 
they got it by the book. Can you te- can you tease one or two of your favorite action items from the book? Well, I think the nope is a big one. And also we we talked about it earlier, which is weeding out and and having those hard conversations with people in your life who are bringing you down. Yeah. Even though that um that's, even though it's that's, really that's hard. Hard. Yeah, it's really yes. really really hard. It's really and hard and, like, and we've we've we we invite people into our lives um, sometimes shitty people can end up there for 20 years because they've just always been there. So you don't really examine the relationship, but I think it's important. I think it's important to look at the people we surround ourselves with. I think so too. It's, it's funny. We talk about like curating your feed and like, you know, once a month going through and making sure everybody you're following on social media is really serving you, but we don't talk about that so much with our Friends. real lives. Yeah. Yes. Like, is this person still serving me? Yes. No. <laughs> they're not I don't know it's I I do I find it I find we've known each other forever to be a very interesting excuse and pardon for having a shitty person in your life and I think it happens all the time and sometimes and you know you see someone really amazing and their best friend sucks and you're like wait why I don't get it and it's like we've known each other forever and I don't know what that I don't know why we allow that to have such importance yeah I don't know either. All right. If people wanted to find your beautiful book, can you tell us where to find it and also where to find and follow you on social, Mega Babe, all of that? Yes. Um, I you can find me at Katie Storino on Instagram. My book is available Amazon, Target, any um, uh, the small bookstore website that I can't remember right now, Barnes and Noble, um, anywhere you buy books. And Mega Babe is available at megababebeauty.com, Target, or Ulta. And everybody should try the Thigh Rescue because it's like thank literally you. a game, a game changer product. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Katie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you love this episode with Katie Strino. Her new book is called Body Talk and you can find it wherever books are sold. We would also both love to hear from you what you thought about this episode, any aha moments that you had. She is at Katie Storino on Instagram and I am at Liz Moody as always. And yeah, take a screenshot. Let me know if you like had a line that stood out to you. I know a lot of her conversations around shame were really, really helpful for reframing things for me in a in a way that felt really good. Um, So I hope that the same happened for you. And if you want to check out my Patreon, if you want to check out Green Smoothie Society or A Very Moody Morning, I'll get uh, new episodes of A Very Moody Morning every single Monday morning. It's going to be about 20 to 30 minutes, really chatty, really fun, really vulnerable, really intimate. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash Liz Moody, like my name, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash L-I-Z-M-O-O-D-Y. And I hope to see you there. I also hope to see you back here for the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. Have a wonderful day. I have a product that is going to change your life. I've recommended this to so many people and they're all floored. It's basically a perfect dupe for the viral Laneige lip mask, but a million times better and with ingredients that are clinically proven to help dry lips and actually good for you, which is important because you're essentially eating anything that goes on your lips. It is the Osmia Lip Repair Overnight Mask, and it feels like heaven, and you're going to want one for yourself and also to stock up and give them as gifts because they are the best present. 
They help my dry lips when nothing else works, and I will never be without mine now. And while you're on the Osmia site, you are going to want to stock up on the bar soaps. This is the original product that Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder, created, and they have converted me to bar soaps after years of not being able to take the plunge. They're cured longer, so they last way longer than any other bar soap I have ever found, which is amazing for travel. I have been traveling so much recently, and I've had literally the same bar of soap, and they smell amazing, and they do not dry out your skin. Go with the scent that speaks to your soul, but coffee mint is my personal favorite. Finally, if you remember Sarah's pod episode, she has a whole line of products that help with skin conditions like perioral dermatitis, which is when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. She's famous for this. So start with the black clay facial soap and the purely simple face cream if you are like, oh yes, that is me. If you'd like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. 